is the third chapter of James. James chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of the serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endowed with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The first 12 verses constitute my text this morning, and I will not be rereading those. How important, beloved, is our speech? Boys and girls, perhaps in Sunday school, 
you learned that one song, Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Because the tongue is really you in a unique way. Boys and girls, you know what tattletales are. Well, in one way, the tongue is a tattletale. It tells exactly what's going on in the heart and in the mind for what a man thinks and what a man wills usually is brought through with his speech. And misuse of the tongue is probably the easiest way to sin. There are some kind of sins that we might not have the opportunity to even do. But there's no limit to what one can say. There's no built-in restraints. There's no boundaries. In Scripture, the tongue is variously described as wicked, deceitful, perverse, filthy, corrupt, flattering, slanderous, gossiping, blasphemous, foolish, boasting, complaining, cursing, contentious, sensual, vile. And the list could go on. That's not exhaustive. No wonder God put the tongue in a cage, didn't he? The cage of the mouth and the lips. Because that tongue can so easily slip. And the tongue is obviously very important and of great concern to James, being mentioned in every chapter of that short book. We read in James 1, verse 19, Brethren, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Again, verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, that man's religion is vain. That's chapter 1. Then if you turn in James chapter 2, verse 12, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Then there's chapter 3, which we have just read, verses 5 and 6. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. Verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Let's go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 11. Speak then not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. And then James chapter 5, verse 12. But of all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, 
lest ye fall into condemnation. The tongue is of great concern to James as he is writing this very practical letter to believers. Jesus says, very plainly, we find it in Matthew chapter 12, that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Nowhere is the relationship between faith and works more evident than in a person's speech. What you will inevitably be disclosed by what you say. You might say that a person's speech is a reliable measure of his spiritual temperament, a monitor of the inner human condition. The very first sin that we read of in the Bible is that of the devil. He used his speech through that serpent to tell a lie that God would not punish with death, sin, but rather they would be equal with God. And what is the response of Adam later on when God calls to him? Again, he uses his tongue not to confess his sin, but rather to, really blasphemous, accuse God of being guilty because it was God, after all, that gave him the woman. And I ate. In describing total depravity, man, Paul says, their throat is an open grave with their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is underneath their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Notice with me, controlling or taming the tongue, the importance of that little member, the extent and the depth of unrighteousness, and then thirdly, the wisdom that alone will save us from the sins of the tongue. The importance of that little member. God created us like him. God who can speak and does speak, speaks to one another. Let us speak man in our own image. The three persons in dialogue with each other in friendship. God makes us also able to speak. What a blessing it is. We have a creaturely reflection of God in us. The animals, they can't speak, nor any other creatures. But we are able to speak. As God speaks, he said, let there be light, and there was light. As God speaks to himself in the Trinity, and as God speaks to us in his word, so also we speak. We are able to speak back to God, aren't we? We are able to speak to one another. That is what makes the covenant possible, isn't it? Fellowship, communion, 
We speak with one another. We speak with our God. Created in the image of God. Created in true knowledge and righteousness and holiness. We know and we love and we serve God. Each one of us is in the office of prophet, isn't it? And that work of the prophet is carried out by the tongue, speaking to God and speaking about God. And that's why chapter 3 really begins with exactly that. He says, my brethren, be not many masters. That word can be translated, be not many rabbis or be not many teachers. Because we have to be careful what one teaches. Whether it's correct knowledge about God or whether it is false teaching that lead sheep astray. Speech. What a gift of God. Singing melodies, praising God, speaking the truth of his word, speaking words of love to one another and comfort. And James then uses two illustrations. And those illustrations are saying, although it's a very small part of you, what power it has when it is applied at the right time in the right way. So boys and girls, the first illustration is that about a horse. I don't know how many of you have ridden horses, like horses, Magnificent big body of that horse. And then its head. And then its mouth. And with a piece of metal over the tongue of the horse, called the bridle, one is able to control that horse, make that horse go in the direction that you want it to go, obey you. Just a little piece of metal and just the mouth of that magnificent big horse. So is the tongue. So is the tongue when controlled by the Lord Jesus. It can be a great blessing to others. Second illustration. The rudder on a ship. Think of a big ship that has a lot of cargo on it or carrying a lot of people on it. Some of the ships today are huge. And the wind can blow hard. The waves might be high. But that ship turns and is directed by a little rudder in the back of the ship, bringing it whatever direction you want that ship to go so the tongue though it is so small is powerful enough to guide and control the destiny of others giving counsel to them instruction to them admonition to them training what a power to do good Think of God's speech. God spoke, and things instantly came into being, didn't they? 
And by that same word, every moment of every day, God upholds this whole big creation. And God controls all of his people and their actions. And God controls the wicked also. Every moment, even the devil and the fallen angels. It's by God's word that they continue to exist from moment to moment. They are under his control. And then there is the preached word of God. Oh, that preached word, as we heard this morning, is the seed of regeneration, isn't it? As God speaks to creation and things come about, so the Holy Spirit says, live, and there's suddenly life within a person who was once dead in sin. And it's by his preached word that Christ Jesus is building his church and gathering his church and preserving his church year after year, day after day. Power to do good. By speech, you and I are able to sing our hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, aren't we? With the tongue, we're able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are each able to give a word of edification. You know what that word, that phrase means, word of edification? It's a word that we speak that builds up another person. A husband building up his wife, or a wife building up her husband, parents building up their children, or teachers building up their kids in the classroom. What a power for good. And by speech, you and I are able to have fellowship with one another. We can sit down over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and speak of things of our hearts or things that are important to us or important to them. Fellowship. What a power for good in our Christian home. What a power for good in our Christian schools. What a power for good in the church of Jesus Christ. And what a power for good as we exist here in this sinful world. And as we live our Christian lives and others can take note that we're different. And they might ask you why. And by their speech, asking why, we are able to respond with speech. It's not I, but it's my Christ who lives in me. That's my hope, that's my goal, that's my end of my life, that I want to serve him. What an important role our tongues have. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Power for good. Listen a moment to a different text in Scripture. Psalm 35, verse 28. My tongue will speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. Can you say that with a psalmist? My tongue will speak of thy righteousness and thy praise, not once in a while, 
but all the day long, every day. Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Think a moment of your prayers. How much time in your prayer is filled with praising God? And how much is taken up of what we need and asking him for things? Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 30. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. Think of that in the home. Think of that in the Christian school. Think of that in the church of Jesus Christ. Where we comfort one another, we train one another, when we admonish one another. Ephesians 4, verse 12 There the use of the tongue is for the edifying of the body of Christ Jesus. And later on in that same chapter, Ephesians 4, verse 15, how do we edify one another? By speaking the truth in love. Paul writes in Colossians 4, verse 6, that our speech is always to be with grace, seasoned with salt, that she might know how to answer every man. Or another passage, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4, he prays that we might be able to comfort those in trouble with the comfort whereby we ourselves are comforted by God. Think of that passage, Ben. How do you know comfort of God? Well, he speaks to you, doesn't he? He speaks That comfort in his word. Comfort ye, comfort me, my people, says your God. And that is how we comfort one another. A little member of the body. We probably don't even think about it much except if we by accident bite our tongue. And maybe we should bite our tongues more often. But what a power for good but also in a power for evil. My second point, the extent and the depth of its unrighteousness. What happened? What happened? God created us good. He spoke to us and we were able to speak back to him. But by the fall of Adam, the whole human race fell into sin. And because then we had sinful natures, our speech also became sinful. Satan, as said earlier, used sinful language to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve used sinful language back to God, blaming God for their sins. It is the devil and his evil angels that instigate evil thoughts that are expressed in our speeches, isn't it? James says the tongue boasts great things. There's pride in the heart and it comes out in one speech. The tongue is an unruly evil, we read, full of deadly poison. Boys and girls, think of that snake that's crawling around the ground. There's some very poisonous snakes. If you'll remember... It was the Apostle Paul when he was shipwrecked. He was getting 
wood for burning and a fire to keep the people warm. And he was bit by that snake, poisonous snake. But God saved his life. Our words can be like that poison of that snake. The phrase is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. That's a lie. It's a big lie. Because those words, once they're spoken, they can't be taken back. They're like an arrow that goes off the bow, and it's gone, and you can't retract it. And how many young children are at times wounded by the words of their parents, or wounded by maybe mean words by their classmates how many wives or husbands aren't aren't wounded by the words spoken in the home not words to build up but words to demean to belittle to put down lord's day 43 calls the sins of the tongue quote the proper works of the devil. That tongue hurts us and it hurts others in its speech. Although it's just a little member, don't underestimate the extent of its destructive powers. With the mouth, the tongue is used on Sunday to sing praises to God and then during the week to put down, to hurt those around us. How deadly is that tongue? We read in Matthew 12, verse 35, A good man out of good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil heart bringeth forth evil things. You see, our speech is very important. It's a tattletale of our hearts, of what we are inside. Let's use some illustrations the fire. It's pretty dry out right now, isn't it? And there's dry parts up in the forests. And it can be just a lit cigarette that is thrown away, or it can be a small campfire that's not completely put out. And thousands and thousands of acres are burned down, aren't they? Just by that little match or that little fire. So words can kindle a fire in the home, in the classroom, in the playground, in the church. Mischief afoot. Maybe it's an elder misleading the congregation or misleading part of the congregation, as we've seen in the schism in our church. And when one talks about abuse, it's not only a sexual abuse, and it's not only physical abuse, but there is spiritual abuse, a bully pulpit, we call it. Or there is emotional abuse caused by others around so that a person grows up thinking nothing of themselves. 
hurt. By the evil tongue, peace in the church can be ruined. One's reputation can be blackened. One's friendship can be broken or embittered. Or a precious mind might be poisoned. Or a life hurt. I spoke, I think, at graduation of a young woman who through hurtful comments made to her as a young girl and as a teenager had no self-worth for herself. She thought she was awful that even God couldn't love her. I used already the illustration from another text of the snake, right? That poison on the tongue tongue of that snake can so easy maim and kill, if not our quick remedy. And so also the tongue in the home, in the church, in our Christian school. The power to do so much harm. There's some kind of poisons in some drugs that just one little drop of it can cause a person to become very sick, deathly sick. I read in Proverbs 16, verse 27, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. That is true not only for the ungodly, but that is also true for believers who have a sinful nature that they have to deal with so that our tongues can be guilty of not only blessing, but also cursing. How easy it is to bring shame to God's name. How easy it is to bring trouble to our marriages, to divide families. And yes, that's what the schism has done, hasn't it? and to hurt the precious lambs of the flock. And so you and I have to pause a moment when we hear God's word about that impure language. What does our speech each day reveal about us in our daily conversations or in social media? What does our speech do for the glory of God and the building up and the leading of others to Christ? Or does it bring down and does it hurt? Listen a moment to the psalmist in Psalm 52. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than speaking righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take away and pluck out thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. little member it can do so much good 
but it can do so much damage. What is it? What is it that will enable you and me to use our tongues well? To control our tongues? To tame our tongues? For notice there, verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Think of the many different animals that have been tamed. Some of them quite fierce. So the man has as a pet a big lion, completely tamed. Or elephants that can do tricks. Think of that big elephant. Men can tame animals. But the Bible says the tongue can no man tame. What an important lesson that is. In others, we don't say, well, I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to make that resolution. I'm going to try to be better. I won't use this word or I won't do this. Our tongues are powerful and uncontrollable except, except by God's grace. God's grace. You mean as we talk about the grace that saves us from our sins, now we talk about that grace even controlling that little member of our body? We look away from ourselves. But the tongue can no man tame, and so we lift our prayers up. Yes, we speak to God in our hearts and with our lips, and we say, God, give me thy grace. Lord, you help me tame my tongue, control that tongue, to use that tongue for thy glory. The Lord does the impossible, doesn't he? He causes those who are dead in sin to be made alive and new creatures. While you and I are unable to tame the tongue, there is one who can tame that tongue. The Lord is able to control a lying or a blaspheming tongue. So our call then, as God's children who know and love him, we need to ask him to create in us a clean heart, O oh God. For what is in the heart spills over with the lips and the tongue, doesn't it? Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, so that then the Lord will sanctify our lips and our tongue and enable us to be a blessing, a blessing in the home, a blessing in the Christian school, a blessing on the playground, a blessing in the church of Jesus Christ. How important is that, that we control, that we have a tamed tongue? Well, James says, can a fountain 
bring forth sweet water and bitter water? And the answer is no. That one fountain is going to bring forth the one or the other. Do you remember Moses cutting down a tree there in the waters of Marah? The water was so bitter. But as Moses cut down the tree and threw it in the water, God did the miracle, then it made those waters sweet to drink. So the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ also removes by his grace the bitterness of our tongues. It is the fire of Pentecost that enabled the Apostle Peter to bring the beautiful sermon of God and his Christ and convict 3,000 souls on that day brought to salvation. The fire of Pentecost declared the wonderful works of God you see the change in Peter? Instead of denying Christ three times and even cursing, Peter now speaks by the Holy Spirit beautiful words, edifying words, saving words. And how you and I then each need that Holy Spirit. It is Pentecost today. How we need that spirit to guide our hearts so that then our hearts speak beautiful things and are instruments of blessing. Speaking the truth in love to God's glory. What should be our prayer? Shall we speak to God? Shall we say with David in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 13 of that same psalm, then David says, and I will teach transgressors thy ways. What a prayer of David. Clean heart, sanctified lips and tongue, he will teach transgressors God's way. Or the end of Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Will you pray that prayer? Or Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What a beautiful tongue. What beautiful lips that speak the praises of God. Or this prayer. Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. Lord, set a watch O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips, incline my heart away from any evil thing and only to the good. 
pray that. Because it's so easy for us to use our tongues to sin. The easiest sin around. Hurting God's glory. Hurting our neighbors, those that we love. Instead of blessing. Building up. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the gift of speech. We thank thee that thou art a speaking God. Thou hast spoken and everything came into being. Thou dost speak thy word and dost uphold all things. And thou hast spoken also the gospel written down in our Bibles. We're thankful for ears to hear that speech. And we're thankful then for lips and tongues to speak back, to bless thee, to ask thee for spiritual gifts, to ask thee for thy grace in our lives. We're thankful for lips and tongues to build up our fellow saints, to be a blessing to those in our home and in our church, on the playgrounds, and in the classrooms. O oh Lord, sanctify thou our lips, and we will sing thy praises. Amen. Let's turn to Psalter number 41.